Hello, and thanks for listening to AV Plus, the new podcast about all things AV and commercial tech in general from Commercial Integrator Magazine. I'm Adam Forziati, the web editor for CI, and this is episode four of AV Plus. We're going to drop longer monthly episodes in addition to the uh, weekly ones that we've been dropping lately, so uh, definitely keep an ear out for that in the future. On this episode, you'll hear from editor-in-chief Tom LeBlanc and editor-at-large Craig McCormick for the CI monthly news spotlight about all things that happened in the pro AV space in February. You'll also hear from me and Craig just talking about what he's written for the March issue of the magazine. And then we'll also hear about the latest acquisition in the pro AV space. It's not from who you'd expect. And lastly, we'll end things with the CI project of the month about a really interactive, probably the most interactive uh, AV installation I've ever seen or had the pleasure to write about. So again, thanks for listening. Let's start things off with editor-at-large Craig McCormick and I talking about what he's composed for the March issue of CI. So Craig, tell us a little bit about the profile that you wrote for the March issue of CI. It's uh, focused on a company called Lone Star Communications, and they're they're based uh, just outside Dallas, Texas. Uh, they've been been around a little more than 25 years. Started by Ray Bailey. Um, he, he was flying planes and, and things like that in in Alaska for a while. And like a lot of people today, I guess he he didn't really know what AV was, didn't know what it was all about. But a friend told him told him about the industry he became interested in it started working in it after uh, after uh, after a military career eventually moved to de- moved uh, down to Texas um, decided to focus on education and hospitals uh, healthcare industry and has certainly built a, a successful business uh, they, they had an acquisition a couple years ago so they've expanded to the, the Houston area as well um, in in all the descriptions I've heard about the company um, it, it they talked about the the family atmosphere and the, the way that uh, the raid treats everybody like like a family, and that's that they have a lot of employees that have been there for for many many years, and and they say that you know that's part of why they stay is just that it feels like you know a family being there. Well, I was going to ask you, Craig, you know, why you decided to to profile him and them uh, as a company. I think the reasons you just gave are pretty much reasons enough. But what I would ask is uh, you to tell us a little bit more about. Some of the other interesting things about Bailey himself. He's not your average uh, business leader, no, is he? No, he sure isn't. He's, he's maintained his, his pilot's license for, for uh, quite a while and uh, used it after Hurricane Harvey. He flew, uh, I, I think it was five round trips, uh, with filled, it, filled his plane up with supplies and, and helped uh, those, those in need in, um, in the Houston area uh, um, after, after the hurricane. He, I think it was something like 8,000 pounds of, of supplies that, that he flew back and forth. He said it was pretty much a nonstop, you know, back and forth and, until he, he had sent all the, the supplies over. And so he's he's definitely has a uh, philanthropic heart. He will definitely help people when, whenever he can. Fantastic. Thank you for telling us about him and giving us something to look forward to uh, in this upcoming issue, uh, the March issue of CI. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, you got it. If you weren't already aware, the pro AV space has a new $2 billion investor, and it's not who you think it is. Guitar Center. 
That's right, the music store just bought the Audiovisual Design Group, or AVDG, at the tail end of 2017. Now we're going to see how the retail music giant wants to use the commercial and residential firm's Business Solutions Group to expand more into integrated solutions. Guitar Center's VP of Business Solutions, Doug Carnell, who used to work at AVI-SPL, says that there's a lot of opportunity in custom integration, even for a company like Guitar Center. So I've been in the AV integration market for over 30 years. Uh, started out, uh, worked for a very small contractor for 18 years, uh, left that contractor and started with uh, SPL, which then became AVI-SPL, and then I was with AVI-SPL for 11 years. In the 11 years that I was there, uh, I had kind of fulfilled my role as a general manager, so managing a local office uh, to then an RVP. I was involved in a new program at EVSPL back then with a strategic account managers in, in learning how we would convey the message of a national footprint and why that was a value early on. I, I had a pretty great job over the many 11 years, great things to say about uh, that, but I, I've kind of done everything you can from a, a commercial AV. Uh, in my mind, I took all that kind of experience that I've uh, had over the 30 years and uh, and now applying that here to Guitar Center, where we are creating a new uh, division within Guitar Center called Business Solutions, uh, where Guitar Center is a two plus billion dollar organization in the retail space. Uh, they don't do a lot of B2B operations, and, and my goal is to bring a B2B business to Guitar Center in various uh, methods, uh, one of which would be AV integration, uh, but we'll also get involved in things like backline rentals and tour and production. And so AV integration, just given my background, is where I wanted to spend my time first. So that's what I'm, I'm focused on right now. That's why the first uh, acquisition of an AV company was AVDG late last year. So clearly AVDG now has more money to work with after such a huge acquisition. But Doug Carnell says the goal isn't necessarily to make them operate like a huge company. I look at it in a couple different ways. First and foremost, they'll, they'll have access to capital that they didn't have access as a single entity. So even if, if you just look at it from a business perspective, uh, Guitar Center being a huge retail company can leverage a lot more capital and capability. In addition, leverage our vendor relationships that we do have in cross paths to better create better pricing, have better profitability, uh, and, and achieve new growth opportunities differently than they could as a single entity. From, from that aspect, uh, you know, I think we would improve their business just by merely owning them and, and leveraging our size and our strength in the market. The other components are that AVDG is a, is a great company and it, it is going at the market very uniquely. Uh, they are a design build for, firm, very focused at design build uh, processes, whether that be in the residential or the corporate market. And, and I think both on the residential and the corporate market, there's a need to kind of take some of their process and, and figure out how can you grow that. So. As we acquire different companies uh, across the country, our goal is to kind of take amazing uh, entrepreneurial type ownerships and mold them together and say, okay, let's, you know, you, we've got how you solved the problem here in San Francisco. 
But if we acquire another person in Chicago or we acquire another person in New York, they're going to look at the market a little bit differently. And so my goal is to kind of combine those talent pools in a way where you get the best of both worlds versus the kind of singular work organization chart that you would see in a large corporation where the CEO is making those decisions or the COO is making these decisions. In my mind, you can kind of take a whole bunch of CEOs and now you've got a, a much better mindset to how, how do we truly solve the market's problems and how do we offer the best customer experience at all times. And, and so that's where I think AVDG is going to help us from their unique experience of offering design build services. The residential market ties somewhat closer to our higher end clients. So if, if there's some cross pollination there, that's a good thing. But my goal is to create that single unity platform that's not called Guitar Center, but as an AV integration arm and using the best talents throughout the country uh, that are already making great companies exist. Carnell's former firm, AVISPL, has changed a lot in the past few years. They're a prime example of the, quote, AV Goliaths that are growing with the help of private equity right now. We've covered this extensively, but I was curious as to what Carnell thinks about how the recently acquired AVDG places in a market where large amounts of this private equity is putting distance between small and, well, huge firms. Two billion plus, I'm bigger than all of them if you combine them. So from, from a market competitive situation, I have more locations, I have more capability, and in some of the vendors, I purchase two times what they purchase. So right off the bat, I, I believe any company that we acquire starts to be on a footing that's equal or if not larger in competitive nature from a product perspective. Where, where I think you know the various big three, let's call them, um, go at that market is their national footprint, which I believe you need to have, right? I, I, I believe any integrator in the market today has to have that ability. So whether you go to uh, the various organizations that allow for various smaller entities to kind of roll up and, and, and work with each other, but the market is still comprised of uh, the very large percentage of smaller integrators. And, and I believe that it's those small integrators that are still looking for an opportunity and, and but are going at the market uniquely different uh, and because they have to. I want to be the best AV company we can be. But to me, our strategic purchases of other integrations in the market is to expand those smaller talents and build something really, really special and unique. So I think the market's changed because the technology continues to advance. The balance of small and large has gotten further and further away. I think there's plenty of room for, for more integrators to join that space. I think if you're going to compete, though, you're going to have to find a, a different way of competing. I think if you're just going to go after that one bid that's on the street in your city, you're going to compete against a Goliath, and that's going to be hard to win. Some of these smaller integrators are making huge margins on and, and because they're building a relationship, they're going after the market unique and different. And that's where I want to capture. I, I'm not really looking to be that next competitive bidder on the, you know, a large project. I, I'm going to find out about that project two years in advance and, and win that business first. You can read the full story on our website, commercialintegrator.com. I've also put a link in the episode description. 
Next up, join me, Editor-at-Large Craig McCormick, and Editor-in-Chief Tom LeBlanc for CI's Monthly News Spotlight. Okay, guys, it's been a month full of acronyms, really. Uh, ISC, PSNI, and, of course, BLC. Um, in terms of ISC, though, I could go on and on about what I saw there. Uh, throughout the 15 halls at this year's show, and I do on previous episodes. If uh, those listening have kept in touch with the podcast so far, I did uh, give like you know nightly coverage of each day on the show floor, uh, and you can find those in in the feed. But in terms of how the show actually impacts the industry, uh, I think it's worthy of mentioning just a couple of things really quick. Uh, namely that there is a future for VR and AR systems in integration. Now that's a touchy topic, I know, but uh, I don't think that it just is going to the entertainment market. Secondly, I learned that the video resolution uh, war is arguably, you know, that getting that crisp, pixel-less image is the most important it's ever been, uh, and that with that, there is an increased focus on seriously considering adding video content creation to, uh, to your roster as an integrator. Uh, so there's more I could mention, of course, but uh, you can find an overview of everything that you need to know about where the industry is heading post-ISE on commercialintegrator.com. Just look for the article titled Four Key Lessons from ISE 2018 the AV Industry Should Pay Attention To. So I'll put a link to that in the description as well. But um, that's that's it for ISE. Uh, Craig, you went to the PSNI uh, Super Summit. Can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Um, it's, it's an annual event, and uh, this year there seemed to be a lot more attention on the future and you know, talking about the next generation, what what's what's to come. I, I think that was a, a real obvious focus, and even in even in the name, it was that the the theme was now and next. So so obviously they're they're thinking about the future, and and that's that's a good thing because I think one of the big problems in this industry sometimes is they don't think too far ahead. They don't they don't think forward and and look. In, into the future enough, and, and I think that's it's an important acknowledgement on on the fact of on the uh, behalf of PSNI to to be doing that. And Craig, what sort of um, issues were at the forefront of discussion in terms of the future of AV? Is it uh, young people in the industry? What what common issues were were brought up the most? Do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's certainly a, a, some talk about you know talent recruitment, which which is a you know pretty common theme in, in a lot of places these days. Um, whether it's the BLC or, or, or other uh, forums, um, the, uh, there was uh, the discussion about uh, even getting rid of the the term AV integration because so few customers actually know what that is and and maybe what to call an AV integrator going forward. I, I think one of the uh, the thoughts was an experienced designer, which which I think you know kind of. It plays off the idea that that uh, Infocom, you know, when they changed their name to to Avixa and focused on the experience, I think there's a lot of conversations like that that, that seem to be happening in the industry where where experience is becoming a, a primary primary thing these days. What do you guys think about that? The whole concept of changing what the name of the folks in this industry is that we do from like you know AV integrator or a systems integrator to something else. That's it's such a dramatic shift, at least from our point of view. But if you don't even know what AV is, like a lot of the folks in the in the 
end user community, maybe it's not such a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I remember when when Infocom did change its name in in the fall that that everybody was kind of thrown off by it. Like, oh, you know, why why would they do this? This is such a recognizable brand. But you know, kind of looking back on it a little bit, it it makes sense because you know there there are a lot of people that don't know what AV is, don't know what integration is, and you know, if if you walk in and, and try to sell sell yourself to a customer that doesn't even know what you do and doesn't know what you know your, your industry is all about, I mean, you, you need to be able to kind of relate to them, and and that I think that that kind of played out in another way. There was a lot of talk about simplicity and you know keeping things simple, and and I think you know calling some somebody an experienced designer you know simplifies it from AV integration. That you you know what an experienced designer would do. Right, or I think I think I would. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it it sounds a little simpler to, to understand. You know, it, I I mean, obviously, it's it's the same thing, but they're just you you know repackaging it and saying it in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as smooth as an acronym can sound, uh, I'm always in favor of the name of an industry or a position or something, actually describing what that is and what it does, rather than just something like AV, which, okay, yeah, it deals with audiovisual technology, but it, there's much more to it than that, of course, right? And, and every time that I've had to describe the industry that I cover to a friend or a family member who's asking asks what I do, it's always a rigmarole. And I can only imagine what an integrator has to then go through to describe that to a family member or a friend. And when you think about it, Many people who go to school or just like they focus in a trade, they hear about that uh, that path, that um, future career path, from a number of different mediums. They either uh, had a family member who was a tradesman or a, or you know a, a doctor or something like that, whatever their field is, or they learn about it through a you know a third party, let's say. Yeah, my great grandfather was the editor of commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, um, you know, like, for instance, the acronym uh, AVEXA was hard for me to get used to, especially the first couple months after the news of the, the name change broke. And now I have no problem with it, you know? And it makes me wonder, why was I so comfortable with the term Infocom? You know, what did that mean? I mean right. AVEXA, just as much as Infocom, Means you know delivery of the things that this industry does. So it it, 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 it I don't know if it's the acronym so much as how we sell what we mm-hmm. do, which I think is is another thing that the industry kind of struggles with from sure. time to time. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I've interviewed enough young people, whether they're you know kids in college, kids you know that are just starting off in this this industry, and you know I'll say to them, you know. Have you been thinking about an, a career in AV for a while? And a lot of them say they never heard of it in high school. They didn't know what AV was. You know, other you know, we we probably have like the experience of you know somebody rolling around in like a cart with you know a projector or something like yeah. that. Maybe Adam didn't have that, but uh, <laughs> we we probably had that in in school. But but you know, it's just not a term that young people hear about or talk about. But then you when you explain to them what the career is about, they think it's cool. And that's, I, I think that's what a lot of this, you know, kind of rebranding and repositioning is, is all about, is, is trying to, 
you know, get young people interested in, in a career when they probably already are, but they don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And then at PSNI, did people seem like they thought it was a crazy conversation to talk about, like, you know, changing the name of what we do, or were people on board with that? Um, this this was generated by you know the the panel itself. This this was you know a, a couple of the panelists said when we talk about what we do, we don't even say AV. You know, mm-hmm. so the, so I thought that was was interesting that they're they're already thinking you know in, in a way that you know they're trying to separate themselves from from the idea of AV and from the idea of integration because it's easier to explain to somebody in a different way what what they do and have them understand it. Mm-hmm. I sure hope we uh, come to an agreement on an acronym or a name soon. It would make our jobs a lot easier, <laughs> certainly. Um, and then someone can tell me what an editor at large is. <laughs> um, so speaking of acronyms, we need to do one more, I think, and that's the upcoming, or at least at the time of recording, upcoming uh, BLC. Tom, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So NSCA's Business and Leadership Conference, um, it's, it's really maybe the signature executive conference in our industry takes place every year and has for the last 20 years. This is the 20th anniversary of the Business and Leadership Conference taking place in Dallas this year. I love the event. You know, I mean, Commercial Integrator has been the, um, the media partner for the BLC for a few years now. And, you know, we get a lot out of it, not just in terms of coverage, you know, because as a media outlet, it's a great opportunity to get great stories. But, wow, I mean, like everybody that we talk to for stories is gathered under one roof once a year for this event. I mean, of course, they're they're gathered at other events, um, like, for instance, the Infocom event and stuff like that. But at, at BLC, they're all gathered specifically to talk about business. They're not there to talk about products or technology, and that's actually a rule. I remember a couple of years ago, or maybe last year, this was like in a Q&A session toward the end when um, you know, somebody kind of got up and said, you know, hey, I, I don't understand why we're not talking more about lighting control at events like this. And Chuck was Chuck Wilson, the executive editor, I'm mean, the executive director of uh, NSCA, was like, well, we don't talk about that because we don't talk about any technologies. This is the business and leadership conference. And I thought that was really, you know, uh, that, that was nice because that kind of reinforced the mindset that people should have when they go into that conference. This year's conference is going to be cool. Um, I, you know, because we have sort of access to the folks at NSCA leading up to it, we get kind of a window into, you know, the sessions that are planned. From talking to Chuck, um, it seems like he made an extra effort to when they're getting these keynoters and if you've been to a BLC you know that these are like kind of high profile keynoters you know they they're on the circuit they have their their message and their delivery down they have a great presentation plan they know how to capture an audience but this year Chuck uh, made sort of an extra effort to make the keynoters tie what they're experts in to real business challenges that he knows that folks in the audience are experiencing. And, you know, an example is, um, you know, there's this guy, um, Vern Harnish, and, you know, his whole thing is he's on the circuit talking about business issues, specifically focusing on small and medium-sized businesses that need to scale up in order to better compete with their competitors. And, obviously, that's an issue that a lot of companies in the audience at the Business and Leadership Conference are dealing with right now. So I expect that to be a really good one. 
Then there's another one where um, this woman who, um, Kendra Hall, right? Like, so her whole thing is like, she's an expert storyteller. And kind of along the lines of what we were talking about before, where it's not so much about the acronym, but how well we explain what it is we do as an industry. Storytelling, I think, is right at the heart of maybe our industry's biggest challenge. We have solutions that our customers need, but I don't think we're always great at explaining the benefit of those solutions. I think we kind of live in this world a little bit too much where you know we're talking about the gear, you know, we're wowed by some of the technology, whereas our customers are wowed by the stories. When they buy digital signage, it's not because they think this video distribution solution and these displays are awesome, it's because of the story they want to tell on the screens. So connections like that at business and leadership conference are going to be, I think, what sets this one apart and raises it to an even higher level than the ones that we've experienced before. Now, Craig, you've been, you know, uh, the whole time we've been media partners with NSA on this, you've been to all the BLCs. Yes. What, do, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I think one of the ultimate testaments to, to, the, to the event itself is how often you see the same people come year after year because that, that tells me that they get something out of it every single year. It's, it's not cheap to go to it, certainly, but it, it, they're, they're you know, taking time out of their schedule, they're spending money, and, and you know, there are some companies that send you know, a handful of people. There's some companies that send a lot more than that to, to the show, to, depending on, on where it is. But just the fact that you know, these people make it a point to come to, to this event every single year, I, I think says a lot that, that they know that it's it's worth the time, it's worth the money, and, and that they're going to walk away and find something that helps their business improve within the next year. Right. And then, you know, hopefully we get a chance to talk to them. You know, hopefully we get a chance to talk to as many of the folks who are attending BLC as possible because, like I said, it's a great opportunity for us to get in front of the community and, you know, ask them questions and ask them why they think it's worth it to go to an event like that and get a lot of article ideas so selfishly there's a huge benefit for us as well and uh, i was sorry i was going to say another thing that i've started to notice in in going to it the last i don't know i think it's four or five years that that we've gone is you're starting to see you know kind of people that were moving up the the management chain are now starting to to go to the blc as they're you know kind of taking more leadership in, in their their company so so you know, it's it's kind of we're starting to see like I, I guess the the second generation you know that that we've seen at, at the BLC. So it's not just you know the the people that have been going every year, but now it's you know kind of their successors are, are starting to to come and you know they're they're learning you know why the why the event is is important for them them to go to too. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because I think in one of our previous podcasts we were talking about like the demographics of the industry and we were kind of joking about like how everybody always jokes that when you go to an AV industry event, you kind of scan the audience and you see kind of like silver haired guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that joke stems from being at BLCs in the old days, right? Because that's the way it was. That's the way I remember it when we first started going and, you know, being, you know, not surprised, but a little bit like, you know, not, not even taking it back, but just kind of taking it in and being like, that's interesting. Yep. 
it's not like that anymore. The last couple of years, I think NSCA has made more of an effort to uh, integrate, you know, kind of like young um, professionals in the industry, you know, a lot of it through scholarship programs, um, but getting, you know, like a sort of a diversity of voices at these executive conferences, and, and it's made it more fun. I agree. I, I, yeah, it's definitely made it a better event. Not not that it was necessarily a bad event before, but it, it definitely changes the the dynamic of it, and you know, gives you an idea of you know what what the younger people too are th- are thinking about, and you know what what they think is important. And I think maybe that helps you know kind of steer NSCA towards you know what what they want to cover the the next year. Very true. So February has kept definitely kept us busy as an editorial team, uh, but. March is going to be pretty busy as well. Uh, but before we uh, start looking forward to next month, is there anything else that we'd be remiss not to mention that happened in February? Well, just just circling back quick to, to ISE, and um, uh, one thing that we didn't probably mention as, as prominently as we should is the fact that it set another attendance record, almost 81,000 people in, in the four days, which was up from about 73,000 people. Um, and there's talk that the show is going to outgrow the venue where it is, the, the Rye in Amsterdam, which is amazing because they keep adding halls to it. You know, every year there's more and more halls. Um, and it, it sounds like the, the lease is up in 2000 or after the 2019 show, and maybe by 2020 it's going to be maybe have to move to a different location to accommodate how, how big the show is. And so, so I had written something that you know I'd heard people talking about about this before but um, that maybe if they do have to move the show they could also flip the time in the calendar with the infocom show which is traditionally in the summertime um, in either Las Vegas or Orlando depending on the year that that contract now runs through 2025 so obviously there'd be some you know contracts that have to be reworked or changed or, or whatever the case may be but you know, Amsterdam in February is pretty damn cold, and you know, Orlando and Las Vegas in in June can get pretty hot, as as we all know from from having attended the show. Um, I, I think it it would make sense to do something like that. I, I don't know that it'll actually happen, but I do think it's it's definitely uh, you know something that that is is worth talking about, and 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 I know that the people were talking about it even even at ISE, you know, with with how cold it was over there. You can you can attest to to the temperature from from this year, but uh, wasn't exactly warm. No, no, and it usually isn't in Amsterdam in February. So I I think it would make you know for a better experience for everybody. I did have one person point out to me that you know. It's not supposed to, you know, you're not booking a vacation when you go to a trade show, and that shouldn't necessarily be a concern. But I, I mean, maybe, maybe the show would be even more successful if it was, you know, at 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 a time where it was a little more comfortable weather-wise. Shame on you for having fun. I know. I know. Or an opinion. I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, guys, thank you very much for uh, recording this month's edition of the CI Monthly News uh, Spotlight. I look forward to talking about next month's news, and uh, till then. Now, for CI's Project of the Month, I wanted to highlight something that you may have heard me mention during the ISE episodes. It's an exhibit at the Netherlands Open Air Museum called The Canon of the Netherlands. Now, they're referring to what is canon, or elements of the region's history, that should have a focus in the national dialogue. The space itself is nothing short of the most impressive interactive museum exhibit I've ever seen. 
and it may be the most impressive AV installation I've seen since I started covering the industry in May of 2017. You begin the experience by walking through a tunnel that's filled with abstract-shaped suspended screens, which show a vision of the past and present Netherlands. People lighting fires, preparing food, uh, children playing, that sort of thing. Next you see a giant partially underground dome structure with a series of ten little movie set-like exhibits that mix historical objects with interactive learning. You play games, you scroll around on screens, and you stand in awe, basically, at the intersection of design and interactivity. So, the integrator Rappenberg Plaza used rigid glass rear projection to prevent distortion and to equip projectors with floor mounts away from the walls. So now if the building moves at all with wind or something like that, the projections themselves remain perfectly steady. Altogether, there were 67 projectors, 66 touchscreens, 46 video players, there were 103 speakers, 59 computers, 177 data and video extenders, 33 network switches, and 45 kilometers of power and data cables. And it was all neatly organized and packed away in a few racks in the back away from public view. Words really can't do justice to this exhibit in my opinion, so check out our video on CommercialIntegrator.com and I'll be sure to include a link to that in the show notes. So once again, thanks for listening to AV+. It's the new podcast from Commercial Integrator Magazine. My name is Adam Forziati. I'm the web editor here at CI, and I'm very excited to continue on this uh, release schedule, sort of shorter mini-episodes every week or so, and uh, at the end of each month releasing something like this, a longer episode, a little bit more in-depth. We hope that you'll uh, tell your friends about this, uh, this show. If you enjoy it, you can share about it on Twitter and uh, using the hashtag AVPlusPod. And that's uh, going to be spelled A-V-P-L-U-S-P-O-D. And of course, you can always read more about all things commercial technology integration at our website, commercialintegrator.com. Thanks for listening.